This is Wide Margins episode 24, Selfies. It's been a long time since I've taught a teenage class. I started out as a youth minister, and back then that was about all that I taught. Occasionally I'd teach an adult class, but every quarter, every service, usually I was teaching young people. Then I started preaching, and my position changed a little bit, but still I was at a smaller church, and so we didn't have a youth minister, and occasionally I would find myself in front of teenagers, and I enjoyed that. But then, about 15 years ago, my church hired a youth minister, and to be honest with you, I've I've kind of checked out. I haven't taught a teen class in about that length of time, until this quarter. Um, I have wanted to discuss a very important subject with young people for a while, and that has brought me back into the teen class. I went to our educational director and I said, I have this idea, I'd like to teach the teens, but I approached it with much apprehension, to be honest with you. I'm just being real here. Uh, to me, teenagers have become maybe the most intimidating crowd I've ever faced. I can do fine in front of thousands of preachers and you know adults, no problem. Uh, we do questions and answers at church. You can ask the questions live, that doesn't bother me. Put me in a teen class and at least until this experience, I'd be very uh, trepidatious about about that. And here's why. There is nothing scarier to me than the blank stare of a teenager. Because you don't know what they're thinking, and they, unlike the adults, they didn't necessarily drive themselves there. They didn't, you know, with the adults, you can, you can say, well, at least they chose to be here. But not the teenagers. I don't, I don't know. I, and, and a lot of this was just uh, paranoia, because when I got with this group, that I have this quarter and I'm teaching, uh, they've just been great. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a good change of pace. I've got another four or five weeks with them, and I'm looking forward to the, the last few classes with them. And I hope I get to do it again before another 15 years goes by. So all of that worry and concern was was unfounded. It's been a great class, a great experience. Uh, let me get to the subject and the reason why I'm talking about all of this. Uh, the subject that I wanted to discuss with them was the subject of social media. And I'm not, you know, particularly drawn to social media. I use it. I see benefits and and disadvantages to it. I'm going when I finish recording this episode. I'm going to use social media to get the word out about the episode. So obviously. I don't have a problem with social media itself, but no one can deny that social media is changing our culture in a big way. We live our lives differently because of social media, and there are so many subdivisions under that to talk about. Somebody said, can you do a whole quarter on social media? I said, I can do two quarters on social media. I can talk about it all day long. When you start thinking about the ways it affects us. You you won't run out of material. No way. So we have been discussing that, and I think the kids have enjoyed something a little different than the usual. 
I've enjoyed and I'm preparing this material for publication. I don't think it's going to come out anytime soon because I like a chance to teach it to an adult class and fine-tune it a little bit and work on it. I want it to be really good before it goes out there and I'm hoping that it will be a book that someone can take into a Bible class and teach or that somebody can just, you know, a parent can use as a resource or a young person or just anybody who's trying to be a be a Christian on social media. Hopefully it'll be a great resource for them, but I, you know, I need to put the work and the research into it. There's a lot to read out there and I want to read widely before it is published. So I am teaching the teens. They're kind of my guinea pigs. I am going to teach an adult class. I'm working hard to write and rewrite. And then I'm also using you, my podcast listeners. Uh, From time to time, I'm going to post a social media podcast. So I, you know, let me know if you like that. I'm going to give it a try. This would be the first episode on that, and uh, I plan to do several others. And I didn't know where to start, so I decided to start on the chapter I'm working on this week, which is a chapter entitled Selfies. Um, It has to do with our self-obsession that has been fostered by social media. It's always been there, but self-obsession has just gotten, it's gone into hyperdrive because of social media. And the selfie is not, you know, really the subject here, but it's it's a a symbol for our self-obsession. Now these selfies, I don't I don't take many of them because of the way I look, but people who are more attractive than me take a lot of these selfies. Evidently, um, 93 million selfies are taken every day. That's the equivalent, folks, of 2.5 million rolls of film every single day. 1,000 selfies are posted every 10 seconds on Instagram. Uh, 75% of all posts on Snapchat are selfies. It's so bad that in 2005, more people died from selfies than shark attacks. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many people died from shark attacks. That may be a bogus statistic. And I, How do you die from a selfie? Just not paying attention in traffic, and that's probably where it comes from. I wish I had better numbers on that, but that, that kind of gets your attention, right? Millions of photos a day of people striking poses, flashing peace signs, making the duck face, and posting those inverted photographs of themselves online. And it's a symbol, a symbol of our self-obsession. The question for us as Christians is, how do we deal with that in the context of what Christ has asked of us, which is to deny ourselves? Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Uh, The cross there, he means for us to think of his cross of humiliation and and physical suffering. We're not supposed to be promoting ourselves. We're supposed to be dethroning ourselves and letting Christ rule in our hearts. Paul said much the same thing in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Seems to me that he's saying we should sacrifice two pretty important things, our bodies. Our bodies are important according to the New Testament, temples of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, and our minds. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. Give your mind up to God by the renewal of your mind. We assume that's the renewal that occurs through the Word of God. How do we do that in the context of the self-obsession fostered by social media today? Uh, You'd be surprised. A lot of people defend self-obsession, and this is nothing new. I found it really interesting when I was looking at some passages for this that Paul talks about folks in his day defending self-obsession. Take a look at 2 Timothy 3. This is an interesting passage. He lists like 18 threats to Christian faith here at the first part of 2 Timothy 3, and I counted seven of them related to selfishness. He said people will be lovers of self, that's the obvious one, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. All right, so I know it's up to interpretation, but I think about seven of those relate to selfishness. You have uh, lovers of self, probably lovers of money, definitely proud, arrogant, uh, ungrateful. That's a selfishness problem. Uh, Slanderous. We'll talk about how slander and gossip is related to selfishness without self-control, brutal, mm, swollen with conceit, and I would say lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And again, that's up to interpretation, but nobody can deny that a big part of that list has to do with the problem of self-obsession. And here's the point that I want to make from this. Look at what he says next. After giving that list and containing, containing all those threats that come from selfishness, he says in verse 5 that these have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. That was just mind-blowing to me. These things have the appearance of godliness, but not the true form of godliness. Which means, people defend self-obsession. You say, how is that true? Well, I'll give you a few examples. When I saw this, I had to come up, I had to think, you know, in what way do people defend selfishness? Uh, One thing that I've seen is uh, this the statement, I'm being true to myself, or the advice that we've been given today, be true to yourself. Um, Sounds good, right? I mean, that's Shakespeare and Hamlet, to thine own self be true. That just sounds like great advice. And I remembered something from several years ago with Ellen DeGeneres. She was being criticized for promoting homosexuality on her show, and she denied that that's what she was doing. And she made a statement that appeared on Twitter. It went viral. It was so popular. And it was 
the the statement that she made was funny, it was civil, it sounded reasonable, and she said this. She said, the only way I'm trying to influence people is to be more kind and compassionate with one another. I don't have an agenda. Attention, youth of the world. She says, I want you to live your lives being exactly who you are. Be true to yourself. Which made her critic look really bad and made her even more popular and everybody loved her. And and maybe she didn't have an agenda. She was just being true to herself and being a homosexual, that's, that's what she was. But that advice just resonated so well with society and as I said the the post went viral people were just captivated by that and you'll hear that all the time just be true to yourself be yourself that's that's a problem when you come to the New Testament unless your true self is exactly like Christ and in I don't know anybody who's like that you know Paul said that he was crucified with Christ. And then he said it was no longer he who lived, but Christ who lived in him. Galatians 2.20 So it's not be true to yourself. You can't trust yourself, is the New Testament's position. You have to be true to God and what he says in his word. So that's one of the ways it sounds really good. It's one of the ways we defend self-obsession. Be true to yourself. Here's another one. Maybe you haven't thought of it, thought of it before. Um, somebody might defend it, saying, "I'm just, I'm just telling the truth." Now, let me get deeper into this selfie culture. It goes beyond social media and taking pictures of yourself and posting them online. The selfie culture also involves a lot of comparisons because you want to promote yourself, and the way that you promote yourself is you demote everybody else around you so you put yourself in competition with others and one of the ways we do that and justify it is we use truth as a license to destroy other people's reputations and in our zeal to promote ourselves we become a willing participant in slander and gossip I don't have to go into detail with you about the problems with gossip and what the Bible says about gossip, I think I the time would be better spent in helping you to identify what gossip is. A lot of us are doing it, doing it online, doing it offline, and not realizing it. Just because you have information and that information is true, that doesn't give you the right to share it. And here are four questions to ask before sharing any information that will help you identify it as gossip or something that you have the right to share. First question, is it true? Okay, I think most people are asking that. Is it true? If it's true, that's the first line there, but that's not all you should be asking. Of course, we shouldn't be spreading lies, so we start out with that. Is it true? Number two, is it necessary? Not everything needs to be published. Some things need to be kept secret. Secrets are good sometimes, especially when it's somebody else's secret. You may not have the right to share that information, even if it's true. Thirdly, is it kind? Remember what your mother taught you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Is it kind? And then finally, 
And this is the most important one when it comes to gossip. Am I the one to tell it? It may be true. It may be necessary. It may be kind in a sense to share it, but it may not be yours to tell. I think that's the line between gossip and wholesome communication, the relationship there. Are you in the kind of relationship that gives you the right to share this information? And if you answer all of those questions well, if it's yes every time, then it's not gossip, but just remember, you should show respect in all of your communications. We get into this competition online in social media, and so sometimes it shows up as gossip, sometimes it shows up in critical remarks and comments and cyberbullying in different ways, and all it is is self-promotion. I have to tear you down to make myself look better, and that's bad. Okay, here's the third way that we might defend it and give, give um, self-obsession the appearance of godliness, and that is asking the question, what's in it for me? I mean, self-interest, this one's a little more obvious than the first two, but I think a lot of people have convinced themselves that their behavior, their attitudes, their communications, their relationships are okay because they're looking out for themselves. Um, and when you do that, you're getting into this vicious cycle because you go online onto social media asking, what's in it for me? And you want those likes and you want the accolades, you want the praise, not realizing that the people you're looking for that from are looking for the same thing. So it's just one big unhappy circle. And everybody's miserable because they're going online looking for something that nobody wants to give. And this discontentment, it, it creeps into other areas as well. It's not just social media, but social media feeds it and then it it gets into our souls and then we bring it in other places like church. We walk into churches and we ask, well, what's in it for me? And what can this church do for me? Instead of thinking about what can I do for God in this place? Are these people, is this the kind of fellowship where I can serve God well? That's the right question, but too many of us are saying, what's in it for me? What can they do for me? And, you know, we're willing to walk away immediately if they're not doing the kinds of things for us that, that we want. They're not gi giving the services that we want or the style of worship that we're looking for. Uh, we've got the wrong question when we're saying, what's in it for me? Because Christianity, of course, is a one-another religion. We're supposed to love one another. We're to consider others more significant than ourselves, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. John says, if anyone has the world's goods sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? 1 John three seventeen. So we can justify this self-obsession in all these ways. Um, you know, I'm being true to myself. Um, you know, I'm just telling the truth. Have you ever known one of those people that are just, you know, rude? And they say, hey, I tell it like it is. That, that's what I'm talking about. Or this um, what's in it for me attitude. Those may be arguments made that it doesn't make them right. They may have the appearance of godliness, but the power of true spirituality is has been stripped from that attitude. Self-obsession cannot be justified in Christianity. So in the Christian context, how do we 
you know, how do we navigate this world? Should we just get offline and not use social media and never take a selfie? No, you know, if you bump into, you know, your favorite celebrity somewhere, you're on a trip to New York City and you see somebody famous and and you get a chance to take a selfie with them, by all means, take that picture and post it on social media. If you're doing something you love and you're having fun with your friends and you want a picture of that, take that picture. Just examine your motives and there are a few guidelines I want to share with you before the time's up on how to how to be a Christian in this context of social social media and self-obsession. Here's the first one. Don't be insecure. Selfishness makes us insecure. We get afraid, in other words. We're afraid of other people's successes. We're afraid that the praise will run out, the likes will run out. We're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of loneliness. And we have the scarcity mentality that if I give of myself, I'm losing something there. And I love this quotation. I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said, A candle loses nothing when it lights another candle. Isn't that great? Uh, a candle loses nothing when it lights another candle. That's what I see Jesus doing. Giving of himself, sacrificing himself, loving, being compassionate, and never running out of fuel. Never running out of relationships. You have nothing to fear in sharing love. You have nothing to fear from someone else getting praise. It's not going to take anything in the world away from you. Don't be insecure. Insecurity just drives people away from you, ironically. Number two, don't make an idol out of yourself. Idols aren't just the little stone totem poles. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. And because self-centeredness puts something before God, yourself, uh, it's idolatry. Flannery O'Connor once uh, wrote a prayer down and part of it said, I do not know you, God, because I am in the way. That's when you make yourself an idol. You can't see God because you're in the way. You've made an eclipse where your, your self is in the way of God and you can't see him anymore. You can't be happy or fulfilled when we put anything in front of God. So don't make yourself an idol. Uh, next, beware of pride. Pride is very destructive. Everybody knows the proverb that pride goes before a great fall. Pride is pride is very destructive. When you're proud, you either turn into a bully or a baby. And either one. I don't think anybody wants to be either one of those. Uh, bullies push people around. It's my way or the highway. Babies whine about what they don't have, and they pout over somebody else's triumphs, over their wins, their praise, whatever. Uh, don't be a bully or a baby. Don't be proud. And then finally, develop empathy. Empathy is feeling, let's see, feeling what other people are feeling. I always hear the distinction between sympathy and empathy. It's practically no different to me. I mean, linguistically, we could talk about sympathy is feeling with somebody. Empathy is feeling what that person feels. Same thing, right? Uh, you know, if you want to say be sympathetic, that's fine. That reminds me of Hebrews 4.15, which says of Christ that he's a high priest, even though he's God. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He was tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sin. He knows what we're feeling. He feels what we feel. He empathizes with us because he's been here. 
Social media destroys empathy because it works through it works through uh, the medium of a screen and pixelations. You're not looking. You're in a virtual world instead of a real world, and you tend to forget there's somebody else on the other side. Somebody's reading that political post of yours and reacting to it positively or negatively. Somebody is reading that criticism that you just made of their post, and it hurts. Somebody is reacting to that um, fun picture you posted, and they're either feeling jealous or or they're happy for you. Less likely of that. Here's something that we could do. Scroll through other people's posts and selfies and whatever and gauge your feelings, just your gut feelings, as you scroll through those. And what I mean by that is, ask yourself, am I enjoying this? Am I on here just to see what other people are up to and enjoy their family pictures and their vacations and all that? Am I feeling jealous when I see some of my friends at an, at an event that I didn't get invited to? Um, when I see people in family situations I wish that I had, does that hurt? When I see somebody that looks just perfect, like she's got it all together, am I comparing myself to her and feeling less than myself? What, what kind of emotions are you feeling when you scroll through somebody else's Facebook page or Twitter feed or whatever? Odds are the people reading your page are feeling the exact same things. So be sensitive to that and realize they feel the way you feel. There's somebody on the other side of that. That's all we're talking about when we say develop some empathy. So those are some, some things that you can do to preserve your Christian faith in this self-obsessed culture we live in with social media. There's a whole lot more to say, and I look forward to doing that. I want to go into some other places. We'll definitely talk about cyberbullying. I definitely want to talk about the connection between unhappiness and social media, just because it's so alarming when you look at the statistics of that. Uh, some of the things that it's doing to us relationally, uh, what it's doing to our communications. My wife had a great idea. She's studying play therapy right now, and she says, what is it doing to our play? You know, the way we learn a lot from the way that we play, the fun that we have, the games that we play. Uh, now we do everything online. Teenagers are safer now because they don't take any risks. They never leave their bedroom. They're doing everything on a phone. So they live longer, I guess, but are they living in the time they're breathing? Now, that's a good question. So there are a lot of interesting things. I'm not going to do them in a series, one right after the other, frankly, because I'm still working through it myself, and I don't think I have the time to, to get ready for it like that. And there's so many other things that I want to do. But uh, that's, that's the first one on selfies, and I look forward to doing some others. And there will always be something up here, so please continue to check in. And if you could be so kind, go to the iTunes page and leave a review. A rating would be nice. And just tell other people about it, because uh, I'd love to 
to get this out to as many people as possible. Thanks again. Uh, see you next time on Wide Margins.